What's up, guys? Rick from DFS On Demand here with your DFS preview for this week's Arnold Palmer Invitational. Before we jump into that, a lot of housekeeping to go through. As many of you know, I was down at the Honda Classic last week for the DFS Open where I met uh, a bunch of you from the industry, uh, both content creators and fans. It was awesome. It was a great time. Uh, a long week, a lot of travel, but glad that I did it and we're right back at it here on Monday and I think the biggest thing is we raised a lot of money for the first tee uh, which is a great cause last I saw you know we were over five figures in, in donations to the first tee um, the fantasy contest that I ran alone donated 1600 bucks to it I mean just an awesome job done by all so congratulations all around um, as far as winners go I mean it was a it was a big week we were sweating a lot of stuff live I got a lot of screenshots in in my dms or my mentions so I want to shout a couple of a couple of people out you know the Sung J outright uh, a lot of people had it 33 or 35 to 1 I saw that uh, Michael Rappel I believe is how you pronounce it he won uh, his Sung J outright 35 into 1100 um, a lot of great DFS lineups out there as well. Michael Cortez or Michael Cortez, forty dollars into nine fifty six. Uh, Kexon won the single entry on FanDuel for eight hundred dollars. Uh, Laser Show, who um, I know has been following for a while, uh, won the ten k birdie on DraftKings. That was seventy five into fourteen twenty five. Scott Hughes won the dime time. That's the ten cent entry for fifty bucks. That's an ROI I would take every single day of the week. Uh, Leo Gallagher used the core cascading method and won $900. And Ian, uh, with his Canadian dollars, turned his $13 Canadian into $429 Canadian on the Sung J bet as well. So, very cool. Well done, everybody. Uh, congratulations. And then I've also got winners. So, I ran a contest last week, as I do every week, for a week subscription to DFS On Demand. But I also included uh, the swag from the DFS Open swag bag that I created. So, it's a water bottle and a DFS On Demand logo ball. So, the winner's there. Um, Chris Hartz on YouTube, uh, at Playoff Raptors, and at Little Mo. 2302 from the pod reviews. I will be getting in touch with you shortly. Uh, I'll get your address, get this stuff sent out to you, and we'll get you all taken care of. Other than that, if you want to also win a week subscription to DFS On Demand, which is the site you're going to see me use throughout the course of this video and every video, there's two ways to do it. Here on YouTube, make sure that you are subscribed to my channel, the Rick Rungood YouTube channel. Like this video and leave a comment below with who you think is going to win the Arnold Palmer Invitational. If you are listening on the podcast, go leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to pods. Say something nice about the show and leave me your Twitter handle or a way to get in touch with you so that I can do so if you win. That'll get you entered into a draw, and we'll pick them out again next week. All right, I think that does it. Let's get to the DFS preview. All right, Arnold Palmer Invitational. What do we need to know about the course? Well, it's Bay Hill Club and Lodge. It's been the host of this event since, like, 1979. It's one of the longest-running uh consistent stops on the PGA Tour so we've got a lot of course history so I'm opening up here on the key stats which I think reveal quite a few interesting things so if you're new to the site new to the channel the way that this model works is it basically creates uh, player profiles for golfers and then determines which type of players have success over the years at each individual course uh, because we have a lot of history at Bay Hill I love using the course key stats you know I love using it every week but I specifically love using it this week because it, you know, hasn't changed in, what, 40 years? Uh, so really good sample size that we can work with. 
the way that this reads with the most common stats up in the right hand corner uh, that strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained approach are by far the two most important stats this week. Uh, they also rank very highly on the rest of the PGA Tour. So the way that this reads is strokes gained off the tee, which ranks second here. That means only one other course on the PGA Tour is strokes gained off the tee more important, uh, which is a pretty huge statement to make when you've got 50 PGA Tour courses uh, in this model. So only one course where strokes gained off the tee is more important. There are only four courses in which strokes gained approach is more important than Bay Hill. So strokes gained approach at Bay Hill ranks fifth. Outside of that, it's a pretty big drop off. Around the green is 25th, to uh, driving distance is 27th, strokes gained total is 27th. They are all in the bottom half of courses on the PGA Tour. So no surprise that ball strikers, uh, especially with the way you think you think that Bay Hill is set up. Bay Hill is a tough course. Uh, Bay Hill was the ninth most difficult course on the PGA Tour last year. It was the second most difficult par 72 on the PGA Tour outside of uh, Sheshin Country Club, right? WGC HSBC. And because there's a lot of strategy, you know, there's carry uh, water carries on certain holes. There's water lurking. There's a lot of bunkers out here. It makes sense that the ball strikers uh, are having a ton of success here. And that's what, we, what we've seen over the years. So obviously those are the guys that I'm going to be looking for. Now, if we now look at who those golfers are for this week, well, let's sort by strokes gained off the tee here and look at some of these guys. Some of these off the tee guys are interesting. So Cam Champ at $6,900 leads this field in strokes gained off the tee, nearly 1.2 per round. At 8,100, Terrell Hatton is second. Now, keep in mind, so he's at uh, 0.9 strokes gained off the tee. That's probably only one tournament. That's probably only WGC Mexico is the only measured tournament he's played. He was, remember, he missed uh, two and a half months with a wrist surgery. So while, yes, he was great, remember that this is a much smaller sample size for him. Uh, Bryson at 10,400, Tommy Fleetwood at 11,000, Matthew Wolf at 7,100, and Roy McElroy at 11,008. They round out the top six. I'll include Xander Shoffley there. He's in seventh. So those are the guys that are really, really good off the tee. Uh, I think just on the surface, you know, we'll talk about Terrell Hatton because he played really well at WGC Mexico. We're going to talk about him in a second when we talk about strokes gained approach. Um, you know, Bryson is here. He's had, he's, uh, I think like the third betting favorite, like he's been great. We'll talk about a lot of these guys, uh, but let's switch over to strokes gained approach and uh, Rory's there. So of those guys that I named where, you know, they rank top five or six or seven in, in both off the tee and approach, it's, it's Rory, it's Hatton. It's Xander and it's Tommy Fleetwood. Both of those, uh, all of those guys are rank top seven in both strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained approach. So the approach numbers are as follows. Rory at 11,800. Uh, he's tied with Mark Leishman. They both gained 1.09 strokes per round. Uh, then you have Terrell Hatton again, only I think four measured rounds. Uh, Colin Morikawa is here, 8,400. He's probably going to be the chalk of the, of the week. And then Hideki at 10,6. Xander at 10 and Tommy Fleetwood at an even $11,000. So uh, those are the two main stats that I'm looking for, obviously targeting those guys that fit both pieces of, the, of, the, uh, of both categories, which, as I mentioned, were Rory, uh, Hatton, Xander, and Fleetwood were the ones that fit both. So let's jump over to the cheat sheet and see what the pricing and what potential ownership could actually look like here. 
We are led at the top uh, with 11,800. That is actually one of the more expensive numbers we've gotten anybody on anybody recently. Let me check that real quick. So I just pulled up the PGA game logs here, which has, you know, the salaries going back four years or so. And outside of the tour championship, because obviously that was a, a staggered start event. So like Justin Thomas started at 15,500. The pricing was all over the place outside of the tour championship. Uh, DJ is the most expensive player in the last three years or so, or two years. I think I have up right now, which was the 2019 rocket mortgage. He was an even 12,000, uh, Kepka was an even 12,000 at the Northern trust. Uh, Justin Thomas was a even 12,000 at this year's Sony open. Um, that, cause that was coming off of his tournament of champions win and he's dominated at Sony. Does that sound right? And then, uh, then you get a few guys at 11.9, and then you get the 11.8. So really, this is a, a pretty rare price. Only one other golfer has been uh, this expensive this season, which was the Sony Open Justin Thomas. So this is a pretty staggering price when you look at it. But uh, quite frankly, it's it's pretty pretty well suited for him. I mean, Rory, I'd almost say the fact that he's got like five or six top fives in a row worldwide, that's almost like the worst he could have done. Uh, very much in contention at WGC, very much in contention at the Genesis, uh, was alive there at the farmers. Those all, I mean, just like he's, when, when you knock on the door as often as Rory does, uh, he's just going to kick it in at some point. And obviously his history here at Bay Hill is pristine sixth, first and fourth in his last three years. I think this price is absolutely deserving. Uh, Tommy fleet. What I do think is interesting because, you know, we talk about perception and reality all the time with, with guys that fade on Sunday uh, in the week prior and the way that the public kind of reacts to that. And I don't know if Tommy was super chalky last week. I don't think he was. Uh, but he's in a, a flat $11,000. He finished in third, which if you just look at that on paper and say, hey, Tommy finished third at the Honda, that's great. He did exactly what we expect. But because he, you know, had a two-shot lead on Sunday early and he hits his, uh, you know, ball in the water on 18 where if he makes a birdie, he can get into a playoff with Sung Jay. I think the perception is a lot worse. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood is still, you know, owner of the longest worldwide cut streak made. I think it's up to 33 now. Um, he's piling up top fives, top tens all around the world. He finished third here last year. He finished 10th in 2017. Like, this is still a objectively very good spot to play Tommy Fleetwood. And I feel like because he's the second most expensive golfer, there are appealing options down below him. Um, those who backed him last week might feel like they are disappointed. I feel like Tommy's a pretty good like pivot off of some of these other guys in the $10,000 and above range. You know, the rest of the 10K range here, I think Hideki's you know, just fine and dandy. The problem is he hasn't had a ton of success at Bay Hill. 33rd, 49th, 45th in the last three. Did have a sixth in 2016. Um, obviously can't putt, but we know it's all about ball striking this week. I I'm okay with playing Hideki. I think Bryson eats up a lot of this ownership at 10-4 because, you know, he probably should have won the WGC. He finished well at Genesis the week before. He has a second-place finish here in 2018. He probably eats up a lot of this, um, you know, above 10K salary. But Xander at 10 is pretty interesting. And let me pull up the strokes gain database for this. Um, and we're going to go to, I want to go by rounds for Xander because there have been times he's been the best player in the tournament, uh, for one round and, or two rounds, but he hasn't been able to put all four together. So here you look at the WGC Mexico, 
Um, you know, he flies up the board on the weekend by gaining 3.7 strokes and 3.6 strokes in the final two rounds. It was the first two rounds that he had. You know, he lost four putting in the second round. Uh, played just about to average in the first round. And he still finishes 14th after having, like, one really bad round and one, like, not great round. Um, but his final two rounds, he was, like, the best player on the course. And then you go back to, to Genesis even. And, you know, he had the first two rounds of Genesis. He lost nearly a combined, what is that, five strokes putting. Uh, bounces back on the weekend, still finishes 23rd. I, I mean, he's he's showing flashes. Even go go back one more week, waste management. Uh, loses three strokes putting on the weekend, or I'm sorry, on the final round, and still finishes 16th. I, I, I mean, he's he's knocking, right? I, I don't want to, like, I hate to do, like, the whole narrative thing, but this is actually backed by stats. Like, Xander, for three or four weeks in a row, I mean, and then you go back to the century, the cent- I mean, he missed the cut at the Farmers, but go back to the century, Tournament of Champions, he finished second, uh, and probably should have won it, right? Like, he had a, a lag, he two putts uh, from, I don't know, what, 40 feet he wins, doesn't do it and like i i just feel like for one or two rounds every single week xander is the best player in the field for one or two rounds every week he has blown up and and usually via the putter which i'm fine with quite frankly um you know he's been great on approach in every single round he's been great off the tee in almost every single round like this to me feels like he it's it's he's gonna get three good rounds or he's gonna get four good rounds and he's gonna steal a tournament or not even steal a tournament he's one of the best players in the world he's gonna win um so this might be a pretty interesting opportunity to buy him at that ten thousand flat range the 9k range is kind of interesting you know adam scott up at 97 down to justin rose down at 9,000. a few takeaways you know outside of this crazy little vacuum that we live in in which being the best player on the planet last week is actually a detriment uh, Sung Jay is objectively, uh, again, an awesome play. $9,500. He was the best in the field last week. He did it in a way that I like. So if we go to the, the live leaderboard from last week, you know, he led the field by three shots almost in strokes gained T to green, uh, only gained one total stroke putting over the course of the week. This is the way to win golf tournaments. Um, this is a dominant way to win golf tournaments. You gain two and a half off the tee. You gain six on approach. You get gain three and a half around the greens. You know, you, you get a little lucky at times. You don't you don't roll the roll in forty or fifty footers every single time. You're you're basically a neutral putter over the course of the week. That's how you win a golf tournament. Really impressive stuff. The guy's gonna win a lot more. So um, if you're willing to back a guy who just won last week, Sung Jay's your guy. Uh, third place here, and the only time he played it last year in 2019. Patrick Reed, I think, is interesting. Um, the the Ricky Fowler stuff. It's a real shame. You know, you'd love to fire him up here in, in Florida, but the the swing issue that he's going with, going through, uh, another miscut last week. Um, I'm probably staying away from that. And then, you know, Brooks. Brooks is here, and Brooks is 9,200, being just just begging us to play him. He's begging us. Um, three miscuts in his last three trips to Bay Hill. Obviously, not great. Missed the cut at the Honda. Uh, we'll look at his player profile here because I think this is worth a worth a share. Let me find Brooksy real quick. So you can see, uh, loses another 4.6 putting at the Honda. 
to go with the two and a half he lost at the Genesis and the one and a half he lost at the Shriners. Those are the three measured tournaments that he has for 2020 since he's been dealing with that with that knee procedure and that knee stuff going on, right? Um, lost on approach at the Honda, lost on approach at the Shriners. Uh, didn't really gain all that well off the tee in any of these event, events. And if you look back, you know, Brooks is not, uh, he's certainly capable of gaining four, five, six strokes off the tee over the course of a tournament, not nearly in that realm the last couple of weeks. So this is concerning. This is, this is very concerning, especially the putter, which continues to kind of get worse and worse every single week. I imagine he bounces back, but I mean, if you add, if you just add, you know, five strokes to his, to his putting last week, um, you know, he probably still misses the cut, right? I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it just really wasn't good. And now you go to a place where he doesn't have any course history uh, to speak of. You know, he's got three missed cuts in his last three starts. Actually, I think one of them is a WD. And, like, I guess I'll just wait. I'll just wait one more week. Um, because if it goes bad this week, maybe he's $8,900 at the play. Like, I, that would be kind of shocking. But I don't, like, I, I'm kind of shocked that he's $9,200 here. So I, I will continue to wait and see on Brooks Kepka. The three guys that I'm I'm back in on and, and for kind of all different reasons are um, Rose at 9,000, Stenson at 88, and um, I, I mean, I, I like Benny on at 87. Actually, the more I go through this, like the $8,000 range is so stacked. So I'll try to run through these pretty quickly. Uh, Justin Rose at 9,000. Yes, I know it's been bad. He misses the cut at the Honda. Um, missed the cut at the Farmers. Didn't really even play well at Genesis. But... Uh, I think guys like this eventually click, right? I mean, there's, he's so good. He just came in. Did he win in Singapore or did he come in second? Uh, I guess he came in second because Kuchar won it, right? So, you know, he's been playing well recent enough. It just hasn't been on the on the PGA Tour. And his course history around here is pretty pristine. Uh, third two years ago, 13th in 2017, 9th in 2016. This is a place that he should fit. And once he gets it right, like, like I think – Okay, the reason I think him and Kepka are kind of in the same spot where you can either wait and see on signs of life. At least Rose has given us a little bit of signs of life recently with the with the European tour play and not being as bad as Kepka's been. And then he also has the course history. So if you're like asking me to bet one of these guys or roster one of these guys, it's probably got to be uh, Rosie over over Kepka. Uh, then Stenson. I mean Stenson, we just haven't seen much, right? We haven't seen him play a lot worldwide. Um, haven't seen him on the PGA tour. He's got like one outside of winning this event. He's done basically everything else. He's just piled up top fives here at Bay Hill over the years. Love it. Um, Benny on opens up with a 76 last week at, uh, at PGA national fights back three really good rounds in a row. Uh, 10th place finished last year, back in on Benny real quick on Mark Leishman. You know, Leishman's a, a former winner here. He won in 2017. He followed it up with a 7th, a 23rd in the next two years. He's like a firm and fast kind of guy. You know, you get him on a tough track, Leishman tends to find success like he did at Farmers. Uh, $8,600 is probably a pretty good number for him. Love Morikawa. Love, oh my gosh, I love all these guys. You know, Hatton. Hatton's now one week back from the, the wrist injury. Played awesome at WGC Mexico. Uh, has a fourth place finish here th- uh, three years ago. Like, there's a lot to a lot to like about that. As much as I love the eights, uh, the seven is kind of dead, which is a little unfortunate for me because it's a it's a big range. Uh, you know, I kind of go through these guys, and I'm not really super excited to play any of them. You know, I, I don't like playing Phil Mickelson. I I do appreciate what Abraham Answer has done in the last year. 
the fact that, you know, second place at the American Express, 12th in Mexico, um, really gritty player. I, I, I like that from him. He's a, he's a decent enough ball striker. I would probably go to Scotty Scheffler at 77. Uh, you know, you talk about the off the tee and the approach game. That's, that's Scotty's game. You know, combined, it's almost a full stroke uh, ball striking per round. He's been okay. I mean, to start the the swing season, he was absolutely scorching. He was piling up top fives. Uh, then fields got a little bit harder. Courses got a little bit harder. You know, he missed the cut at the Farmers. He missed the cut at the Waste Management. Uh, but then he bounced back in two really difficult, really deep fields. 30th at the Genesis, 26th at the WGC Mexico. Those are not only packed fields, uh, but like literally like historically packed fields in recent memory is actually like a legit way to put it. That Genesis field was the best non-major field and even better than some major fields in like 15 years. And then you go to a WGC, which is obviously stockpiled. So good to see signs of life again from Scotty Scheffler as he's turning things around. Uh, certainly don't mind him at 7,700. After that, like these are what you're asking for is guys to continue to do things, um, that they might not be able to do, you know, Brendan Steele to, to one of the most highly volatile golfers on the planet, um, coming off a of fourth last week. I mean, Charles Schwartzel, Charles Schwartzel, uh, let me pull this up on the live leaderboard or actually I'll pull it up in his, in his, well, I'll, I'll pull it up in his player profile. So many places to see this data. I don't even know where to look. Um, he gained nine strokes putting last week, lost 1.7 T to green. Uh, faded to a 17th place finish. Obviously, he was much, much more in contention throughout the week, but that is going to be clearly his best putting performance of, of his career that I have in my database, which goes back over four years. Um, it was historically one of the better putter putting performances in the last four years. You know, there's very, very few times that someone gets over 10 strokes gained putting, and that's what really carried him last week. So um, no reason to really think that that is going to continue. Harris English... Um, you know, he's, he's been playing well Two back to back top 17 finishes, 16th at the waste management, 17th at Honda. He's got a couple of top 25s, you know, nothing really spectacular around Bay Hill. If you like, if you kind of, you know, held my feet to the fire, Harris English is, is probably where I'd go here, but I wouldn't be, uh, I certainly wouldn't be super stoked about it. You know, Kevin Na, so Kevin Na's 7,300. And I think, I think, okay. So I get a question a lot, like, what do you think of this player? Um, and I think there's a couple of things. Like, you don't have to have a hot take on every single player. There's like 50 guys in every single field that I have zero opinion on. And it's not good or bad. It's just like, yeah, they're exactly what we expect them to be. The other thing I get all the time is like, um, hey, I'm going to play Kevin Na. Is that a good idea? First off, I have no idea. Second of all, I guess it is depending on what you want. So Kevin Na, despite his flaws, is a very consistently inconsistent player, <laughs> which, which means like if you want someone with just as much upside as downside, who is going to add more randomness, more volatility to your lineups, Kevin Na is that guy. If you are asking Kevin Na to be your, like if you're trying to pair him with your consistent guys and you're like, this is a really solid, consistent lineup, that is not the case. Um, but Kevin Na for what he is, is valuable in that situation. So Kevin Na, ninth place at the WGC, missed the cut at Genesis, 14th at Pebble, missed the cut at, at Waste Management, and 17th at the Amex. Uh, like, 
that's what he's going to do. He's going to miss the cut. He's going to finish top five. He's going to finish top 10. Um, even at Bay Hill, even his history around here, sixth five years ago, has missed the cut twice since, had a 36th in there as well. So in four trips, like it's, it's going to be all over. You cannot gripe when Kevin Na misses the cut. Like we, we knew that was a very likely scenario. Now the other potentially likely scenario is he finishes T9 and wins you a lot of money. Just understand all these guys are different, right? Like if Kevin knows what you're looking for, and if you're trying to win a lot of money um, in like a high upside volatile way, Kevin knows very interesting. The other, the other guy down here, you know, 7,200 Frankie Molinari, Francesco, this is wild. I mean, he's literally losing strokes gained in every single category this year. Um, you know, he has missed the cut in a bunch of events and I mean, finished 53rd to WGC, but obviously that's a no cut event. If you are a, a course history guy and that's all you care about, uh, Molinari would rank out like number one for you. I mean, he, he's your defending champion. Then the four years before that were 26th, 7th, 9th, and 17th like that. He would be the absolute perfect play for you, uh, but he has shown nothing since he wound up in Ray's Creek at Augusta last year, and Tiger kind of buried him. And it's like absolutely zero signs of life. It's it's kind of wild stuff, to be quite frank. Below that, sub, let's call it sub, let's call it like 7,000 and below. Uh, not too interested in any of those guys, actually. So here's, here's Cam Champ, who was, you know, leads the field in strokes gained off the tee. Very, very neutral player on approach, loses both around the green and is basically neutral on putting. Um, we haven't seen him since the Genesis. He missed the cut, um, 55th at Pebble Beach before that, but then he had two basically, or three top twenties in a row. Uh, hasn't made the cut here. He's 0 for 1 and cuts made here. So if you're looking for a specific skill set and you want to, you know, have a little salary cap relief. Camp Champ might be that guy. Uh, going down, you know, I'm always a, a Alonto Griffin guy. You know, another 29th at the WGC, 37th at the Genesis, 9th at Pebble. He's already a winner this year. You know all the stuff. I talk about him all the time. I imagine uh, Matt Neesmith is going to make a lot of lineups this week because he is now up to, at least just on my cheat sheet, which is I go back, you know, 12 weeks or whatever. Um, he's, he's up to seven cuts in a row. Could actually be more than that. So he's up to seven cuts in a row. Uh, one, two, three, four top twenties, no worse than a 38th in that span. That's kind of interesting at 6,800. I think he's going to be popular. Um, so don't, don't think you're getting him at like, you know, super low ownership, but I do think that he is interesting. And then if I'm going lower than that, um, I don't know how low I'd go here. You know, it's, it's kind of scary. I guess Patrick Rogers has now made five out of six cuts and he had a seventh place finish two years ago. He had a 20th four years ago i could get back on on patrick rogers i had a lot of him i want to say at genesis uh and i had a little bit of him at honda but like i and, and he's okay right you know 30th and a 21st in those two events but I, I could probably get back on patrick rogers and then after that that might be it for me you know you, you start to get to the bottom of this and because it is an invitational it kind of opens up a lot of different scenarios um, but like, you know, VJ's in this field, Scott Harrington's in this field, Robert Gamez is in this field, like guys that I, I don't think you could even remote come, come close to remotely playing. Um, Zin Zun, Zin, Zin Zang is basically the only guy down here in the sub $6,500 range, him and uh, him and Doc Redman that, you know, gain at least a half a stroke per round, uh, total. Uh, now doc does it in the way that we want it on approaches and off the tee. Uh, Zhang does it all over the place. You know, he's, he's actually positive in all four categories. So if I was super desperate, I'd be willing to play those guys. Uh, not sure I'm going to have to be 
that desperate this week. All right. I think that'll do it. Arnold Palmer Invitational. You heard it here first. Uh, tweet me what you think. At Rick Rungood. Leave a comment below. I will talk to you guys soon. Best of luck this week.